Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I went into a bar quite near where you lived, and the guy in there, the barman, said to me, he said, uh, where are you from? I said, Liverpool. He said, Clock Town! <laughs> I said, yeah, that's about right. That's about right. That was the laugh of Jürgen Klopp. Jürgen bloody Klopp. Because here we are. The beautiful game has returned. And in Klopp Town, sorry, Liverpool, we're pressing play once again on a team who were just on the cusp of a Premier League title before everything was cancelled due to the coronavirus. And though this time they're returning to empty stadiums, they're just moments away again from winning the trophy for the first time in 30 years. In fact, by the time that you listen to this, they might even be clutching it. But of course, so much has happened in these intervening weeks. Everywhere, the pandemic has clarified what matters and what doesn't. And I think in the case of Liverpool, it's done more than that. It's crystallised Jurgen Klopp's role as more than just a football manager and Liverpool as much, much more than just a football team. You're listening to Slow News. I'm Basha Cummings. And this week, we're talking to Klopp to understand how it was that he came to stand for a city and its politics and its community. Slow News is a podcast made by us here at Tortoise. We're a news publisher, in an app, online, in our daily Sensemaker email, and, as you already know, in podcasts. What's different about us is that we investigate what's driving the news, and we'd love for you to join us. By becoming a member of our newsroom, you'll get access to our journalism, and you can join our open news meetings and help decide what matters in the world and how we should report it. To get access to all of Tortoise, all you have to do is download our app and take the free trial. Go to tortoisemedia.com forward slash pod trial and help make the news. So let's start with the end. The end of football as we knew it. The Liverpool versus Atletico Madrid game on the 11th of March. Liverpool were knocked out. And Liverpool's reign as European champions is over. Atletico fans were in tears. There are tears from the Atletico Madrid supporters here at Anfield tonight. And then lockdown. That game has now come under scrutiny as a potential super spreader event. Infections in Liverpool rocketed after it. But what's striking was that Klopp, usually this friendly, affable figure, those brilliant white teeth smiling, was steely in that moment, furious even. 
You can't quite hear it in this clip, but as fans hang over the railings to try and shake the hands of the players as they come out onto the pitch, he turns to them and shouts, Put your hands away, you fucking idiots. And just days after that, he released a statement telling fans, telling everyone really, that this moment, the coronavirus crisis, was much, much bigger than football. That it was time to put everything, even the Premier League, even that trophy, on pause. Even now, when asked if he was ever worried that the title wouldn't materialise, he said, I've been worried about people dying, not the title. I live on this planet and I want the planet to be safe, healthy. I wish everybody the best, absolutely. But my opinion about Corona is not important. If somebody... So how did he become this charismatic leader? Well, Tony Evans, the football journalist who brilliantly describes himself as writer, radical and scouse separatist, is here to tell the story with me. Tony, welcome. Oh, good to be here. What do you make of Klopp's response to coronavirus? Do you agree that it exemplifies how he's become something bigger than a manager it certainly does and he's he's very um he's very direct i mean people see a very smiley affable and fun guy to be with and he is but he's also got underneath there's a, a core of steel you know you don't mess with clock he's, he's interesting because he grew up in a very small town in the black Black Forest called Glatton, a village really. And um, the people there are very reserved. And, you know, it's um, very, very hard work and very insular. It's a very Protestant community. It's, you know, the, that work ethic. And you wouldn't think that someone so effervescent and outwards would come from a background like that. I think life is our guide. Eh? So and if you use the right... Um, crossroads and stuff like this. We have all to make decisions constantly, left, right, straight away, stuff like this. But um, if you are lucky enough to, to do more often than not, uh, more often than not take the right direction, then you should be fine. Especially, yeah, or at least when you have when you have my life, where I've grown up in a village and stuff like this, there were not a lot of crossroads uh, where I, where I could make a lot of mistakes. To be honest. Yeah, well, it's interesting because I was in uh, the, the, the village where you grew up um, in February. Really? Yeah, yeah. I went um, so sort of went around the area to see what it was like, and um, it was great. It was snowing, so no one was around. It was. I, I tell you what, when it snows, it snows. But um, it was a, a fantastic place to grow up, you know. But I mean, did you get your sense of community there? Because it, it's a small place. It's a very small place, isn't it? It is, and, and funny enough, um, I, I said it a couple of times, it's um, the, the childhood is brilliant there. The childhood was absolutely brilliant. You could do everything what you wanted as a little kid, but then in the moment when you when you become a teenager, it becomes boring overnight, pretty much. Yeah. Really boring. If you miss the bus, you wait another 24 hours, eh? so it's not that you take the next one. And uh, so uh, I knew when I was 14 that I will leave. Um, the area, and I loved it being there. But I knew always it's 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 too small for me. It's it's too it's too small minded, if that makes sense. Um, like yeah, a lot much. of a lot of duties you have to fulfill over the day. So if you are not on 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 Saturday morning, if you don't, I don't know what is it, brush the street in front of your house. Yeah, yeah. Is that right? If you don't do that, then you yeah, are yeah, yeah. either way you're dead, or yeah. 
actually, that's the only excuse. You died overnight because otherwise yeah. everybody's asking, where are you? And I never got really in that. It's only a little example. It's a really nice place, nice people. But um, I was, for me, it was always clear that I, that I will leave um, as soon as possible um, just to, 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 yeah, to experience different things, to experience more, to, to experience life in a different way. So and after, my, after I did my A-levels pretty much, I went on holiday for two weeks and came home and left. <laughs> so and Klopp's gone, he's, he's gone to Liverpool and somehow he's synced perfectly with the attitudes there as politics are very similar to the politics of Liverpool. You know, he's talked in the past about how he's left-leaning and, you know, he'd never vote for a right-wing party. And, of course, that ties in with what Bill Shankly said, the, the, the great manager who came to Liverpool in 1959 and recast the club from where it had been before. And he spoke of uh, his, his idea of socialism was everyone working for the same ends and everyone having a share of the rewards. My, my views are, are, are socialistic views mm. in all aspects. Mm. Uh, not, not that I'm a, a, radic, I'm a militant man, you mm. know, because I think that everybody should help each other. Mm. And, and football, we prove conclusively that we at Liverpool uh, and other clubs as well, and, and Preston, had a team that they all helped each other. Mm. And consequently, every one of them was capped for this country. Mm -hmm. So by playing collectively, they got individual honours. The cop bought into that. Liverpool fans, the vast majority of them bought into that. And Klopp come along with the same sort of ethos, the same sort of set of beliefs. He believes in people working together. He believes in everyone getting the rewards. He believes, you know, he believes in the National Health Service. He, he, and it's interesting, during the, the lockdown, he was seen on the streets um, completely um, oblivious to whether anyone was watching, clapping ambulances when they went past. And he was going into shops and giving large amounts of money in the thousands to the manager and said, take £50 off everyone's bill today. You know, take, it, take money off NHS workers, uh, you know, grocery yeah. bill. And he's that, he's that sort of man. He wants to be like, like, like the man in the street. I tried only to connect with the football team, to be 100% honest, and with the club next. First with the players, then with the club. And all the rest happened. I'm a completely, and I don't want to stress this, this word, but I'm a really completely normal person. So and I never, I, I, there's no reason to see it in a different way. That means I have the same needs than other people, I have the same wishes than other people, and I have the same, not with all of them, but I have a lot of problems, we have all the same. And that's that's one hundred percent. And if you, as long as you see it like this, it's easy to to talk to people. It's easy maybe when you have time. That's my main issue. Or easy to connect to people, and um, they have never a problem with that. You've become really associated with the the, the club, and I mean, and not just because of the success. I think uh, I think you you really. As I say, there's, there's something more about what you've done at Liverpool than just winning trophies. And it seems that everyone, you know, from, from you, you, know, you know, the area you lived in to Liverpool, you know, sees it, it's bigger than football. So my, my when I die some a day, someday in, what well, I'm 53, let me say 50 years. So I'm not really, I, I, I'm not interested if people still talk about me. 
that's really I'm not I don't want to have a statue or whatever and then people pop do this kind of stuff that's not I hope then they have things to think about in that time and it's nice and be focused on that and that's what I really what I really like that as long as you are there you give whatever you have don't hold anything back you are 100% in this situation in this town in this club whatever I was really struck in your conversation with Klopp because you ask him at one point how it is that you build such a successful football team. And he starts talking about the values that he instills in players. And he talks about a sense of common purpose and of sharing responsibility and a sense basically of collectivism. And it struck me in two ways. One, because it's sort of the perfect philosophy of how to survive a pandemic and how to sort of survive lockdown, that we have to look after each other and we have to think communally, but also that it embodies those politics that he that he's come to sort of talk about in different ways over the years. Do you think that's right? Oh, without a doubt. But the strange thing is, he didn't realise that Liverpool would actually sort of dovetail with his political views and attitudes when he arrived. He just thought it was a good job. And he didn't realise that the Liverpool crowd, what they really want, what they crave, is someone to be more than just a manager, more than just a, a, a winner. Mm. I didn't know about the, the, how big the role is at Liverpool. I, I knew about Chanty, I knew about Pace, I knew about Kenny and all all um, all the other guys, Jarahuye, Rafa Benitez, of course. But I, I knew that about them as managers or coaches, not about the, the what they what they did for the city or stuff like that. I didn't read a book about Liverpool and all about Bill Shankly even even better and read it. And I don't think it would have helped me. I probably I would have thought, wow. Yeah, that's that's really that's really big. So if I have to step in his shoes, that that's not that that's not possible. So I never thought like this. Um, I actually the reason. So Liverpool was a big club for the last twenty years, been thirty, fifty, six, seventy years always. But it's it's not that was not the reason why I came here. It was just an interesting, a really an interesting project, a big club with a really good team who is not playing the best football in the moment. And, mm. and I didn't think a second for uh, what, what, uh, what will I be there? What will be my role or something like this? Yes, I have a, lot, a few question marks in my mind because in Germany, you know, we are, we are, I'm a head coach and you come here and it's a manager. In Germany, we think that's just a different job description. It's the same thing with different name. Mm. It's not. It's not. So, but I didn't know that before. So I had to grow in this role step by step. And um, again, if I would have known more about it, maybe I would have said, ah, I'm not sure if I want to do it like this. I want to be just a coach or whatever. I don't know yet, uh, anymore, but it's, it's not important, obviously. The reason I came here was really the size of the club and the quality of the football team. So, I mean, Jose Mourinho, of all people, once said to me, he could win with basically any group of players. He said, what it is, is about creating a band of brothers' spirit. And I was like, mm, I'm not sure about that. But like, um, but that, that stuck with me, that idea that you creating this sense of common purpose where everyone works for each other. And I have to say, and I've seen a lot of Liverpool teams, I've never seen a Liverpool team that works as well for each other as your team. Yeah. So Jose is right and wrong in the same moment, I would say. And I would, it's, it's, um, I, I, my understanding is this. We only face super teams. 
They all, they all are brilliant. They all are absolutely brilliant. They're good in this, good in that, good in this. And we are, not, meanwhile, meanwhile, better than some of them, but for sure not than all of them. But how can you make now a difference? If each team is perfectly prepared, so they all have good coaches, they have good sessions. Football is not rocket science, so it's not that we invent the game every day new. Um, so they are good prepared, physically fit, all these kind of things. And now there must be a reason why you win. There must be a reason why you win. And the, more, the closer you are together, the more you do it for each other, the more you, 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 you love to suffer for each other, the more you love to sacrifice for each other, the better you will be. That's, that's, that's common sense. It's just common sense. The more it means to you, the better you will be. The, more, the better you can cope with the pressure around you, the better you will be. How can you cope with pressure if you just divide it on different shoulders? So you, if you have only one, play with pressure and 10 or 25 without, will never work. So you have just, you, everybody needs to feel responsible and, and, and. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello, it's Tomini from Tortoise. This podcast is sponsored by EY. Safe, efficient and reliable railways help to keep us all connected, thanks to Network Rail. Yet, maintenance on the railways is a risky and sometimes fatal business. At Network Rail, two previous attempts to invigorate its track worker safety programmes had failed, leaving employees feeling sceptical that the organisation could ever get railway safety right. Since 2019, EY teams have worked with Network Rail to deliver a transformation that improved safety protocols and changed employee behaviour around safety. Network Rail Rail Hub, a new digital safety platform and app, eliminated inaccurate paper trails and worked offline, so it could be used by workers in remote locations. Since the platform was introduced, near misses affecting maintenance workers on the railways have fallen by 40%. Read the full story at ey.com. And important. Tony, you've spoken about how Klopp has become an emblem of the city. So let's talk about the city itself. We know it's been hard hit by the pandemic in terms of infections and that a link has been drawn between that Atletico Madrid game in March and a spike in cases of coronavirus three weeks later. But the city also looks like it's going to be hit pretty hard economically. And thinking back to Liverpool's last title win 30 years ago, it feels like there are some pretty striking parallels. Do you remember that time? Okay, okay, okay. Ah! 
people on the on the show who've got about 80 percent youth unemployment in this city. And I know what it feels like to be on the dole now. So I'm fighting the Tories so they can't put any more people on the dole in this city. Because the, the Live Coast City Council are defending jobs and services. Well the, well, the last time they, they, they won the title, it, things had got slightly better. In, in many ways, it, the parallels are, are very light today because the city felt that was um, it had moved out of the worst depression. The worst depression was in the early 80s, the early to mid-80s, which was dreadful. And, uh, and by, by the early 90s, they were still lagging behind the rest of the country because Liverpool as a city has always been on the margins Politically, socially, and economically, in the in in certainly in England throughout its modern history, and um, so there was a little bit of a feel good factor. You know, people in the last few years haven't had to leave the city to get work like they did sort of when I was their age. You know, in the early eighties, you knew you had to go. By the by, the nineties things would begin to change and it was still it was still a city obviously behind a lot of other places but things would begin to change if not quite in a positive manner but certainly the upwards curve had started uh, this this virus has the potential to set things back significantly and always when when you know when london catches a cold um liverpool gets coronavirus there was a story once written called A Tale of Two Cities. Liverpool and London is A Tale of Two Cities. Mrs. Thatcher read that story. In the original Tale of Two Cities, someone lost their head. In this tale, I'm sure this government is going to lose its head and Labour's going to return. I mean, the mayor, Joe Anderson, has said that the council could go bankrupt even. And, you know, obviously so much of the city's economy was based around tourism and around an influx of people coming. And if you look at numbers of universal credit claims, those have gone up by almost 60% since March. So you can see the beginnings of a slow-moving disaster, can't you? And I wonder, you know, maybe that makes this moment the return of football even more important. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm one of the great attractions in the city is Liverpool Football Club. Tourists come in massive numbers to you know to, to see the club, and games are played behind closed doors, so they won't be able to come. I, I think even in the good years, even when Liverpool appears to be doing positively, if you look at the Office of National Statistics, still. A couple of the poorest areas of the country are in central Liverpool, you know, and you don't have to go far outside the city centre. I'm from about three quarters of a mile from the city centre. And when when I go home, I walk out and you go through all these shiny new buildings and then you sort of get to where I'm from and suddenly you're back in a desolate sort of area where underinvestment is so obvious it's true. So you don't have to go far outside the superficial boom that the city centre experienced to experience the poverty. And the fear is that that poverty will increase. What will happen post-virus has the potential to make things significantly worse. And always, when Liverpool is under the gun, you know, sort of in, in, in the worst possible way, the football teams, both teams, Everton as well, 
but Liverpool in particular, become more important to the sense of identity and the sense of positivity from people from the city. It's they are a symbol of they're a symbol of identity of resistance even because even when things are at the, were at the bleakest over the years Liverpool had the best football teams and if we had nothing else to boast about that's what we could boast about Liverpool are European champions Liverpool are the champions So take me to that moment, 30 years of waiting, days away from their first Premier League title, and then suddenly football suspended, the city is denied. How did that feel? Being from Liverpool and being um, as someone who survived the Hillsborough disaster as a fan and knowing so many people within the city, almost everyone in the city, even Everton fans, were touched by the Hillsborough disaster. They knew someone who died there. So we know the impact of football and how it can be, have a, a, a terrib- can be a terrible force in some ways. And so everyone was like, the most important thing is people's lives, not the game. But there was a little bit within the city, people thinking, I hope the virus doesn't get me before we win the title. Because that's, you know, something they've been looking forward to for 30 years. And of course... There will have been fans, surely, who have died in this interim period who won't be able to see their team lift that trophy. Yeah, I know a number of them who uh, were were diehard Liverpool fans who've been looking forward to this for so long and they've been, they succumbed to coronavirus, which is, you know, which is really sad. In the great scheme of things, football matters very little. Uh, but, you know, these were people who were desperate to see this happen. And because of the pandemic, they haven't been able to. And it's it's poignant for Liverpool fans because there were so many who'd waited 30 years. Uh, the last title was in the aftermath of the Hillsborough disaster, when it was still raw and like an open wound. And now, here we are 30 years on, and there was a chance to celebrate without that shadow over them. And it'll never happen. So let's talk about that return of football, because Klopp said recently that the team is mentally and physically prepared for the resumption of the Premier League. But obviously, they're going to be playing in empty stadiums. And I wonder, what is a Premier League win, for example, without an open top bus parade? Or what is a Liverpool win without, you know, stadium full of people singing, you'll never walk alone? It's like this return of joy in our lives is behind glass or behind a screen and you know we'll take joy from it but I wonder whether something essential will be missing well yeah it will be because you know the 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 great joy of football is the the sense of participation the sense of being part of the game you know it's um I mean, I think we've seen from the results in Germany uh, what's happened behind closed doors. Crowds do have a massive effect on games. So that, that, that'll be missing. But I think it's joy deferred rather than joy denied. No matter what happens, there will be an open-top bus 
parade. There will be a massive celebration when it's safe to do so. Liverpool will explode in a party that is will you know the likes of which won't have been seen for a long time. And the rest of the country will look and say, there go them scousers again. It happened ages ago. Why would they be doing this? Why would we be doing this? Well, we'll be doing this because we can and because we should be doing it now. But it's not safe to do it. And there will be wild celebrations. And Klopp's well up for it. You know, he says, we'll celebrate when we want to. No one tells us when to celebrate. When we're ready, we'll do it. Make no mistake, this title... Is, is is fully deserved and will be fully celebrated. Look, in, in all in all other countries, so Spain starts now, it will be the most difficult championship, the championship ever in Spain. Because they, have to, they, are, they are two points apart from each other, I think. There's nothing really decided, not, not who will be champion. There's no, no decide who goes in the, in, the, in the Champions League, European League. Nothing is decided there. Only as an example. So this is the most difficult year to become champion. If it's tainted or get an asterisk, then it must be fine, but because it's so special and not because it's, it's yeah. anything else. Usually, the only difference is that we, in the moment, we have 22, 25, whatever points. That's only, that's only because we played so far an incredible season. That's incredible. See, that's a pure coincidence to, in, in history. So that's incredible. Usually we have seven points now. People would not say this, this would, you should get an asterisk or whatever because it says you have seven, seven points. You have to bring it over the line. If you don't bring it, you are silly enough. You lost seven points in nine games and stuff like this. That's how, that's how people would be. Now they say because we are 22 points ahead or 25, they say there could be, I can't help these people. My, when I heard it first time, when I heard Neil and Boyd, when I heard it the first time, for me was the, the main, the main headline was now more than ever, now more than ever, 100%. Then we have really to show now this is really special. We can make, we made it special and we want to keep it special. In the end, we decide how special it is when we look back. And from my point of view, it will be the most special because it's the most extraordinary year I ever had in my life. So, from a success point of view, of course, but from a crisis point of view as well, um, we, we never had a situation like this. To deal with the situation and still become champion, that's massive. That's 100% massive. So, let's just close by talking about what you think comes next. What do you think Liverpool as a city, but also as a football club, has learned about itself in this long, long wait for the win? 30 years and then three, four extra months. What do you think uh, has been learned? I think there's a little bit of, in football terms, humility. Because in, in 1990, no one could imagine that um, we, we'd go 30 years without them winning a title. Um, in fact, three years would have been an appalling thought to, to us all. In fact, it was an appalling thought. So there's been a bit of humility football-wise. Um, I think they've learned that. We've also learned that there are bigger battles to fight because during that period that took up the whole Hillsborough Justice campaign, um, which still has not finished, there is still some way to go with that, but vindication has come and and that was much more satisfying than any title um and it was a, a bigger release so so i think they've learned that i think i think economically this 
the, the last few weeks will prove the value of the football club to the city. And that it is, it's something to be cherished and encouraged because it brings so many people to the city. And as you said, this is a city that you know needs tourism. It's a city without industry. The docks uh, no longer you know, have the power that they once had. Tourism is crucial to the, the future of the city and Liverpool Football Club is crucial to the tourism. For at their essence, it's about community and, the, and they're tied to the places where they grew up, where they're located. And this has proved more than ever for Liverpool. So although it's brilliant that Liverpool have fans in Indonesia, in America all over Scandinavia and 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 there is there, there is you know as valid a fan as someone from Liverpool 4 over the road from Anfield the importance of the club as an institution and entity is to the city and it must maintain the links to the city and it allows people all over the world to share a sense of what it is to be scouts to be from Liverpool and you know what it's the greatest place in the world to come from people will remember this year for numerous reasons but one of them will be the pleasure they took in a simple daft thing like a game of football what a perfect note to end it on <laughs> Tony thanks so much for, for coming on the podcast and talking to us always a pleasure listening today and if you've enjoyed this podcast i think there's a really good chance that you'll enjoy all the other stuff that we do at tortoise we publish articles and investigations in our app and online and because we're an open newsroom you can join our editorial meetings from wherever you are in the world and you can shape our journalism and the stories that we tell all you need to do is get our app and you can get access to everything that we do just go to tortoisemedia.com forward slash pod and you can get a 30-day free trial and of course if you like this podcast do share it with your friends recommend it review it share it on social media thank you and we'll see you next week how do you treat other people if you treat them like you want to be treated by them or by all other people then you, you should be fine if you are not a complete idiot to be honest and then it's difficult if you don't know anything about life then it's difficult but if you're a normal person you should be fine hello it's tomini from tortoise this podcast is sponsored by ey uk business leaders are quietly confident that better times are coming More than half of those who responded to the recent EY CEO Outlook survey believe their profitability would increase in 2024. As businesses look to the future, transformation is clearly front and centre on the 2024 CEO agenda, with the vast majority of leaders planning to maintain or accelerate their transformational change in 2024. With 76% of CEOs in agreement that AI will deliver transformative efficiency benefits to their organisation, how can AI be put to use to enhance innovation efforts? Find out how integrating AI into your business could minimise the negative impacts on the workforce, 
boost productivity and improve overall employee experience by reading the full report at ey.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you chiching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 